Our second reading comes from Mark chapter 8, verse 27 to chapter 9, verse 1. If you're following along in the church Bibles, you can find the reading on page 1055. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Well, friends, it's great to uh, have an opportunity this morning um, to uh, open the scriptures and uh, and to share to share with you. Um, there are many big questions in life, and one of the things that we do as army chaplains is uh, sit down with new soldiers and discuss some of those big questions. We're keen to hear their answers to the big questions of life. Technology is always the chaplain's great friend. Ah, there we go. 
So these are some of the questions that we, we talk to the soldiers about, uh, some of those big questions that, that cause us to, to pause and uh, to seriously consider um, our responses. Uh, I wonder what your answers would be to, uh, to these questions. They're important ones, uh, no doubt, but uh, none of them, of course, are as important as this question. The question that Jesus posts to his friends and followers here in Mark chapter 8. Uh, you see, on those questions hang not only our happiness in this life, but our security in the next. Who do we say Jesus is? Well, our passage opens with Jesus and his disciples. But it's surprising. You see, they're not where we'd ordinarily expect them to be. Instead, we find them on the road. They're travelling. And where exactly? Through a region called Caesarea Philippi. Now, straight away, if we know something about Jesus' time, about his time and era, we'll know that that's a strange place for devout Jews to be because it was an era, it was an area rather, that was well known for its paganism. Uh, It wasn't a a place that a a pious or a a devout Jew uh, would find himself. But there they were and they were there for a very important reason. Uh, Why were Jesus and his friends uh, in that place? Uh, The answer is this, they were there to keep a secret. Uh, In World War II, the British government, not surprisingly, was very concerned about its secrets. Uh, How could they keep them from the enemy? And uh, so the British coined a phrase that went like this. Uh, It went, loose lips. Does anyone know how that phrase ends? Loose lips. That's right. Loose lips sink ships. Um, and so that was a popular slogan from, from the time. Now, in this case, uh, loose lips wouldn't sink a ship, but they would jeopardise Jesus' mission, uh, his ministry, the reason that he'd come. Uh, the Lord had come, of course, to establish the kingdom or the reign of God. And, and what a wonderful new age that would be. Uh, we get a glim- glimpse of it here in Psalm 72 which speaks of the work that the Messiah will do. It's certainly a day uh, to look forward to. But uh, Jesus needed to do this. He needed to bring about the, uh, the kingdom of God, God's way. And we understand that that was through the cross. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, there were some in Israel who had other ideas and they thought that the kingdom could do with a helping hand. And so had they um, overheard this discussion about Jesus really being the Messiah, the chosen one of God, well, who knows what might have happened. Uh, Perhaps there would have been a a revolt, um, open war against Rome. Perhaps those uh, people would have come and uh, tried to take Jesus by force, tried to make him an earthly king. 
Perhaps uh, all those events would have cost many, many lives. Uh, In short, it would have been a disaster if there had been loose lips, if this secret had gotten out and if people had acted on it. This was an important conversation that Jesus and his followers needed to have. But the Lord knew they were better off having it somewhere else. And so here they are in Caesarea Philippi. So it's there that Jesus asks the question, who do people say I am? Now notice that he begins very gently uh, with the disciples. That's a a nice, easy question. Uh, There's no spotlight on his uh, close friends. Uh, Jesus doesn't, as we say in the army, chest poke Peter and, uh, and the others. Uh, instead, his attention is focused elsewhere. He focuses it on other folk, on them out there, those people. Uh, who do they say Jesus is? Well, this morning, if we walked outside the church building and surveyed 50 people going past this Sunday morning, Uh, We'd no doubt hear a range of opinions. Some people would tell us that Jesus was simply a good man. Uh, Others would say he was a guru, perhaps a a teacher of the way or a teacher of wisdom. Uh, Still others would tell us that in fact Jesus, in their view, uh, never lived. He was simply a myth. Is that what we have here then in Mark chapter 8? And verse 28, uh, a range of opinions, the, uh, the broadest range possible. Well, the fact is, if we know something about the day and age, we'll quickly realise that these uh, three views that the disciples report are in fact one and the same. Uh, or to put it this way, uh, one plus one plus one uh, equals one. We have a joke in my family that I was never very good at maths and perhaps this slide is uh, proof positive, but uh, give me a moment and I'll explain uh, what I mean. Now, Israel, of course, longed for the Messiah. Uh, They longed for his coming. And it had been hundreds of years since the Lord had spoken to his people, uh, once more promising them a deliverer. So by the time Jesus arrived on the scene, The air was electric with anticipation. Uh, Israel couldn't wait. They couldn't wait anymore for their Redeemer. Surely it would be soon. Surely the Messiah would come and rid them of the Romans whom they hated and every other ill. But first, they believed, there'd be a forerunner, a herald who'd announce the Messiah's coming. Uh, It would be Elijah or someone like him, a a true prophet. Well, what then did uh, people make uh, of Jesus? Uh, The short answer was uh, he was not the genuine article. That was their view. Uh, He was uh, a prophet, yes, uh, the forerunner, more than likely, but the Messiah, certainly not. And it just goes to show us uh, how wrong public opinion can be. Well, at this point in the passage, Jesus throws the switch. Uh, He turns the spotlight on and shines it fair and square uh, on the disciples. 
What about them? Who do they say Jesus is? And so we see that there in verse 29. There's no longer any wriggle room for Peter and the others. Now Jesus wants to know what they really think. And not surprisingly, it's Peter who pipes up. Now poor Peter, uh, he gets uh, a lot of bad press it seems to me. Uh, We're often quick to to criticise him. Oh Peter, you know what he's like. Um, He's headstrong, he speaks without thinking, Uh, he rushes in where angels uh, fear to tread. And of course, uh, we know, don't we, that he denied the Lord. But friends, we have to hand it to him because when Peter's right, he's right. And uh, here, he's spot on. You know, his response here is absolutely correct. Jesus is the Christ. Uh, He is the one whom Israel had waited for these long, long centuries who they had cried out to God for and uh, prayed for and waited for and wept for. Finally, he's arrived. Well, this is a, a great day then in the life of God's people. Jesus is the Christ. But we need to ask, what does that mean? Uh, I have a friend who's uh, a Navy chaplain And recently he was serving at sea and there was a young sailor in the ship whose surname was Kirkhope. Kirkhope. And my friend said to her, that's a great name you've got. And she asked why. What is it about my name? And he said, it's a great name because it points people to Jesus. And it's true. Jesus is the hope of the Kirk. That's a Scots word, isn't it? Which means church. Jesus is the hope of the church and the Lord's people in every age, including these men. It's a wonderful truth and how important that we hear it because both these men and we ourselves face an enemy far, far worse than Rome. You see, Uh, That was the kind of Messiah that Israel was waiting for. Uh, They thought that the Lord would provide them with a great military leader, uh, a general, if you like, someone who would come and raise an army and lead it uh, in victory uh, against the Romans, someone who would smash them and drive them out of Judea once and for all. Of course, the Jews despised Rome and her taxes, her legions and her idolatry. But of course, she, Rome, could only oppress the Jews while they lived. And isn't that true of any earthly tyrant? They um, oppress others only while the oppressed people live. But death and the grave hold their own terrors. And who will rescue us from them? The answer, of course, is Jesus. A little earlier this morning, we heard from Psalm 16 and the various promises there of life beyond the grave. And not only life, but a joy that will never end. Eternal pleasures at God's right hand. 
And of course those future truths uh, give us a present peace, peace of mind and security today. Well, having grasped, uh, even in a very basic way, that Jesus is the Messiah, uh, shouldn't his friends have been shouting it from the rooftops? There's a strange postscript, perhaps you'll agree, towards the end of this passage, uh, there in verse 30. Uh, This um, wonderful truth has been made known to them. Uh, Peter has, uh, has shouted out, he's said it to Jesus, Jesus, you are the Christ. This is wonderful news, the news that Israel has waited for these long, long years. And, and one would think that when good news like this comes, straight away people's reaction would be to, to broadcast it as widely as possible, uh, to shout it from the rooftops. But instead... Jesus says something uh, very strange. Uh, We see here that he warns them not to tell anyone uh, about him. Uh, It's a strange response perhaps and something that doesn't uh, sit with us uh, very well. Uh, In the original language, uh, Jesus' warning here couldn't be uh, any stronger. He basically says to them, uh, tell no one uh, anything at all uh, about about this. Now we've thought a little uh, about the reasons why, about why at this point at least uh, Jesus would want to keep this wonderful truth uh, a secret, to keep it uh, low key. We've heard that Israel of course was full of expectation uh, and at the same time there were some within the nation uh, who wanted to, to move things along, to speed up God's timetable and to bring about God's kingdom now in their own way. This was a consideration for Jesus and his friends at this time. But we, of course, live in a very different world, in a different day and age. And we know, don't we, that the Lord's final words to us there in Matthew 28 are not, shh, Keep quiet, don't say anything to anyone. Instead, he's commanded us to tell the world. We're to to go out, as he says in Matthew, and make disciples of all nations, uh, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded. So let me ask us this morning, what are we doing to obey him? What are we doing to comply with this command of Jesus. Uh, Early next year, uh, I'll begin work up uh, at Kapuka, just outside of Wagga uh, in New South Wales. And again, I'll be working there with uh, uh, many, many young men and women who've who've joined the army and are learning uh, about, about being a soldier. We're so thankful for the opportunities that we have there to give out Bibles and to preach the Gospel as well. And you're very welcome to come and join me there as we seek to witness to the Lord Jesus. But I suspect that the Lord has plenty for you to do uh, right here, right where you are, among family and friends, uh, alongside your work colleagues and fellow students. Uh, We need to pray 
That's the first part of our mission. We need to pray that the Lord would soften hard hearts, that there would be an opening and an opportunity for us to speak to them about the Lord Jesus. And then, of course, with God's help, we need to take that vital next step. We need to engage people in those gospel conversations. We need to talk to them about the secret that is no longer a secret, about the thing that once the Lord's people had to keep quiet, but now we're commanded to broadcast uh, as loudly and as widely uh, as possible the truth about Jesus, the fact that he is the one true hope of men and women and boys and girls. Uh, I wonder uh, who do uh, or who do our family and friends, our colleagues and fellow students say that Jesus is and what can we do to help them see the truth about him, that he is the Christ and the hope of all. Friends, there are many big questions in life, but no question is more important than this. When Jesus asks us, each one, who do you say I am? Today, Peter gives us the correct answer. Jesus is the Christ. But is that your answer too? Your confession of faith? I trust it is. Believe in him, Paul tells us in Romans, and you will be saved. Then take the message of the gospel to our needy and dying world. May God give us the grace to do just that. Let's pray.